0: Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, and we want to send a big shout out to the Dunlap Champions Club, which has been the sponsor of Front Row Knowles podcast for some time. Now, hopefully during the 2017 season, you got a chance to sample it. I know on the field, the season may not have gone the way you wanted, but uh, off the field, the experience remained top shelf inside the Dunlap Champions Club.
1: Without question, the, the ability to go to a ball game, to, to be inside when it's hot, to have refreshments, food, drink, those types of things. And you and I both, Tom, have talked about, uh, particularly during this semester, school semester, we We've been in there for other functions, and certainly many of our listeners uh, should have the opportunity and will have the opportunity to be there for other than football games. If you're a member, you've got that opportunity on Friday nights prior to the game. You can do things on Sunday. It's uh, obviously attached to the University Center Club. Uh, It's a great all round venue for
0: anything that's going on during the weekend. It was built with 365 days a year function space or functions in mind. I'll I'll remind you that uh, next year, 2018, Seven home games on the schedule, including Virginia Tech, Florida, and Clemson. Plant that little seed. Now, if you want more info, go to fsuclubseats.com or fsuchampionsclub.com. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Good day, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Front Row Knowles. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. And if K.J. sounds a little farther away than uh, usual, that's because that is the case. K.J., how are you? I'm doing well, Tom. am doing well. Last couple, of three weeks, I've been uh, hoarse from the Tallahassee
1: crud. Now I'm uh, a little bit disjointed. Some, what, what, what am I 500 miles away 400
0: miles away how far is Winston I don't know KJ is in Winston-Salem with the basketball team for the matchup against Wake Forest tonight he's in the deluxe uh, is it the King Suite Presidential Suite overlooking Trade Street in downtown Winston-Salem or where are we right? No,
1: no no that's Mr. Deckerhoff oh, okay I'm just I checking the sub, sub junior suite uh, but interesting sidebar uh, listeners probably are unaware and maybe a percentage wouldn't care but you know, Winston-Salem, because of the tobacco money and the, and the teens and the 20s, was a thriving metropolis. And in fact, the architect that designed the Empire State Building in New York actually designed the building that I'm sitting in right now in which the uh, Cardinal Hotel is located. And this building was built prior to the Empire State Building, and therefore Winston-Salem has the uh, noteworthy uh, position of having uh, uh, their own building prior to New York having their building. How about that?
0: All that said, Keith, your view is the parking lot is what I hear you saying.
1: Uh, two uh, smokestacks and a shut-down tobacco plant. That's what I'm
0: looking at. <laughs> All right, en- enough about you. Let's talk about FSU basketball because it was a mixed bag over the weekend because the women obviously uh, were disappointed and laid an egg even though they had a great crowd. But on the men's side, Keith, that was a terrific ball game against Miami. I know it's four days old and we won't spend much time talking about it. I think we are- we're better served talking about the fact that it got FSU to five and four and puts them in position where... You can't say that a win tonight is going to get them into the tournament, but uh, there's a lot of room for error if you get a win tonight against Wake Forest. You don't like
1: thinking that way, and certainly Coach Hamilton won't be talking to his kids that way. But the reality is, um, a win a win against Wake Forest would be huge. You know, Florida State's won three ACC games in a row, four the last five, and and candidly, uh, with the exception of of, uh, of lately, they've been playing. Uh, let me rephrase that. In addition to winning those games lately, they've been playing unbelievably well on the offensive end of the court. They've shot over 50% in the last three games, shot a season-high 60% against Miami in the overtime win, and uh, it's been lights out offensively. Now, Leonard would be the first to tell you they've got to tweak and do a little better on the defensive end, but right now, candidly, Florida State can just about outscore anybody they go up against.
0: I I'm going to give credit where credit is due because I heard Corey Clark say this or tweet it or something but it hadn't really I hadn't really processed the fact that there's so many different guys that can lead this team in scoring. I knew it was happening, but I hadn't quantified it. So as I look at the notes and, and this speaks to how good the offense is because there's really not if you're Wake Forest, which guy do you start with to shut down? Right. But but looking at it, I mean, this year alone, Angola Coker, Mann, Walker, Fiondu Cavengali, PJ Savoy and CJ Walker have all led the team in scoring in one game or more that's remarkable that's seven guys
1: well and you've got angola and man depending on what set of scoring stats you look at either for the season or for acc play uh, both of those are in the top seven in scoring depending on which category you use And, and as a result uh you know fsu's offense is is clicking on all cylinders right now it's been quite fun and quite remarkable to watch
0: so let me just Uh, save the banter and ask you the question that uh, I'm sort of buried into that long-winded interaction a moment ago. If you're Wake Forest, who do you start game planning against first? Uh,
1: I have no idea. I mean, that that becomes the huge question for Danny Manning. I I think you've got to pay attention to Angola and Mann. uh, But, you know, again, as soon as you do that, they bring MJ off of the bench. He can score 25 on any given day. Kofra can score 20 and and has a couple of three times over the last 10 games. And again, you go right down that list uh, all the way down to uh, uh, Kevin Gelly. You know, if you don't get a good matchup with him and he's able to work in the paint with that little turnaround jump shot he's got and and using the glass, uh, you know, inside, it it could be anybody. And I think that's the the recipe that Leonard loves. Now, I will be the first to tell you, Tommy, uh, I, I don't think he's terribly pleased with the defense. And I think uh, there's been extra attention given to that, particularly with some of the games that are coming up, because it's just been too easy for Florida State's opponents to be able to score as well. But right now, FSU sits in a very, very good spot offensively.
0: Yeah, it's been fun to watch, and the the buzz is back after this uh, three-game winning streak. Now, not just related to ultimate postseason hopes, but when you look at the schedule, certainly the next stretch is pretty daunting, so that magnifies the importance of tonight because after this, you're on the road at Louisville, and then Virginia comes to town, and Virginia just makes everybody miserable. Even though FSU got a breakthrough win against them last year, uh, point being, uh, the the stretch ahead is tough, but it it feels a little bit better if you leave Winston-Salem with a win tonight.
1: Um, no question. And, and add, adding to that future uh, consternation, you got to play Clemson twice, and, and the Tigers are playing exceptional basketball right now. So uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of three weeks uh, and on into it as you uh, start positioning for the ACC tournament.
3: Yeah,
0: at, at, uh, at Wake tonight, at Louisville, then Virginia at home, then at Notre Dame, and then Clemson and Pitt at home at NC State, at Clemson, and Boston College. Halfway through at the ACC, the Knolls 5-4. and four. Obviously, if they do that again the second half, uh, they'll, be, they'll be postseason bound to the NCAA tournament. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Keith is on the road, as we detailed, his luxurious suite in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Game time, uh, 8 o'clock tip tonight, correct, KJ? That is correct, which means uh, getting home and the wee hours, as they say. Uh, exactly, and then uh, getting packed up to leave again on Friday to go to Louisville. Let's shift gears because we're a week from signing day, and you are not the recruiting guy, out nope. of the two of us, and I'm not a recruiting guy, so there we've put the disclaimer on this thing. But Willie Taggart and staff have been doing
1: work—unbelievable work. In fact, if you're if you're just a casual um, person and you just read the headlines, you know, four or five weeks ago, even before the staff was completed, um, you know, those that are supposedly in the know—we're talking about Florida State maybe having a a, a, a class that would rank 30th and and maybe Taggart was going to sign 14, 15 clids, and, and it would be okay. And, and you had been preaching for even prior to that, you know, let's not get excited. Even if Florida State has a quote-unquote down year in the recruiting area, they've got plenty of talent on the shelf, and that will come back. We're Florida State. And all of a sudden, you wake up uh, uh, this week, and depending on who you talk to, already Florida State's recruiting class is 15, 16, 17th in the country, and others saying that with maybe an announcement today uh, and other announcements as they lead up until signing day, you may be looking at a top ten class for Willie Taggart and his first recruiting uh, uh adventure who you know as they say, who to thunk it?
0: yeah, no, it's been really nice work. The staff has come together uh, they had good success on the guys they had in on official visits last week. they'll have a big finish this weekend, hopefully um. I, I don't. I think what I had been preaching, Keith, was yeah. I, I, I did say that. Don't worry. Uh, you know, you can afford a one-year blip on the radar. But I also preached way back when Jimbo left, and and the recruiting ranking bottomed out. Ju- just not to worry that this is going to end up. You know, a lot of the way the recruiting rankings done are, are done is by volume. So if you're not signing twenty-five kids, you're not going to have the top class. And, and five states Correct. not signing that many. That said, there's only a few schools that have a better per-player ranking, if you will, and I know you're not all about the stars. I, I think the bigger thing here, Keith, because we've had the conversation, and, you, and you're not all about the stars. You want to see football players. But the fact is you're, you're talking about highly touted kids, and everybody else is chasing these kids, and, and Willie's staff has been, ever, been able to make inroads in a really short time, uh, not just chasing the kids, but, I mean, this is staff guys that don't know each other in some cases until the last week or two when they're working together recruiting on the road.
1: Correct, correct. And the other thing I've been encouraged by, and this sounds counterintuitive, but there are a couple of kids that uh, Florida State has gone after that were not on FSU's radar prior, are not even four or even three-star kids, but kids that Taggart and his staff has had their eye on for the last couple of three years and said, look, we believe them to be good football players, even if the measurables are (laughs) excuse me, pardon me, are, the measurables are not off the chart. Those are the kids I get excited about because you're you're talking to a guy that might have been a half star, you know, coming out of Wildwood High School if, if the recruiting process had even existed, you know, 40 years ago.
0: Well, that half star was in black and white, not color, too, right? Also true. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, uh, Keith and I are taping this show uh, today over lunchtime. And so Warren Thompson is the one who's uh, deciding today between South Carolina and FSU. As we converse, we don't know which way he's going, although most think that he's going to head to FSU. Uh, ultimately, by the time you hear this, we'll, we'll know if that's true or not. Keith, uh, stay tuned. We've got an interesting show today, uh, including a story that I don't know that I've ever heard of. I certainly haven't at, at Florida State. But there's a current FSU student athlete who's full time in the Navy and competing for fsu even though he lives in iowa so uh do the math on that i mean you've been around this a while if if you're not uh at a service academy i don't know when this would have happened
1: well not only that how, how do you compete quote unquote with your team when you're a thousand miles away i mean there's only a couple of three sports that that would even be possible you know track field uh maybe golf uh, I mean, the, the 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 probability of something like this occurring is so small that it's an unbelievable story, and uh, our listeners are going to want to listen. It's going to be it's going to be very very entertaining.
0: Yeah, it's an incredibly unique story, and it's a local kid, and I'll have that interview with him uh, coming up momentarily. KJ, I'll let you uh, get back under the covers there in that uh, fantastic presidential suite, and we'll check in uh, with uh, you and Tim Lindefeld here in just a few minutes. I'll be here. All right, uh, Keith Jones on location today as Florida State gets set to take on Wake Forest. I'll remind you that uh, obviously the uh, the good folks at For the Table have been longtime sponsors of this program, including Madison Social, where conveniently as the calendar gets set to turn to February uh, during said month of Fat Tuesday and the main portion of Mardi Gras celebration, uh, Madison Social is here to uh, scratch that itch if you have one, because there's a Mardi Gras bar crawl this weekend. Uh, I'm sure some of our listeners will partake. That's uh, on Saturday, uh, so make note of that. Also, as we mentioned previously the sweet shop that is opening in Centrale or next door to Centrale or part of Centrale uh, opens on signing day so what better way to celebrate uh, Willie Taggart's uh, first class than uh, stopping by there. We'll step aside for now, come back and uh, introduce you to uh, the unique story of a cross country and track and field athlete uh, who is from Crawfordville, lives in Iowa and still is currently competing for Florida State and its athletic department. Stay tuned to Front Row Noles. (laughs) back on Front Row Knowles. We'll say uh, hello to KJ next segment, but right now, as promised, as we mentioned last segment, uh, one of the more unique stories uh, I can recall involving Florida State Athletics, and I've been around these parts for a while, so I'm thinking back when I came through school, you had Gabrielle Reese, who was busy being a supermodel when she wasn't playing volleyball at FSU, and you had Deion Sanders playing professional baseball and uh, with the Yankees and their system before coming back and finishing football. And there, there's there been others, and, and uh, you know, uh, Myron Roll winning a Rhodes Scholarship and flying to a football game later that same day and playing in the game. Uh, those off the top of my head are some of the more unique examples. But this one is going to rate up there. So, folks, I, I invite you to uh, sit back, listen in, uh, as we welcome Stanley Linton to the program via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Stanley, how are you? I'm good, Tom. All right, so I'm going to try to set this up and you you fill in the blanks here. Stanley is uh he's from Crawfordville, has been competing for Florida state's uh, cross country and track and field programs for the last few years. This is the real Cliffs Notes version, but originally came to FSU uh, and got involved with the ROTC program now has graduated and are serving in the Navy yet still compete and stationed in Iowa yet still competing on the FSU track and field team. Is that an accurate summary so far? <laughs>
4: That is as accurate as it's going to be, Uh, and I know that raises a lot of questions, and I'm definitely ready to uh, clear some confusion up.
0: Yeah, well, well, let's start. First, before we get to the confusing part, uh, the first part from what I've read uh, is not unlike uh, a lot of stories that we see in sports about people sort of overcoming adversity, and, and bottom line, as you were coming up in Crawfordville, uh, you wanted to you wanted to come to FSU as I understand it, but you, but your times and your events weren't good enough, and so uh, you got to a point where they did become good enough to walk on. Uh, and I'll let you sort of fill in the blanks and and, and describe that process.
4: Well, yeah, and you know I, I think when I was in high school, I was no state champion, and uh, I was getting I was improving tremendously and rapidly, and uh, but you know upon senior year when I graduated, I contacted. You know, Coach Bob Raymond, my coach, and I said I, I'm really interested in the program, and you know, he shot back an email and just let me know that uh, the the standards are very rigorous. And at that time, you know, I, I'd never run under 16 minutes for a 5K, and the standard was well, you've got to run 15 minutes even for a 5K. And if everyone's run, run a 5K a few times, they you know understand that an entire minute is pretty significant, and um, overcoming that was was a huge task, and but you know I I really wanted to do it, and so I went to FSU anyways without a spot on the team, and I said, well, I'll give it a year or two, and I'll see how the next year goes. And within that first year, I went down from sixteen ten to fifteen twenty, and that was a possibility. So uh, the next year, dropping twenty seconds wasn't that hard. And uh, after I ran, I think it was fifteen oh four. Uh, coach like me on the team so uh, I I think it was kind of hard just you know mentally doing it all by myself but in the end it was better in the long run because if you stay in the sport you know eventually you know you might not have a team right there with you and you might have to learn how to do stuff on your own do your own research and do your own training alone all the hard workouts and races but in the end I think it was really rewarding
0: and probably prepared for what you're going through now to some degree but before we jump there so you've competed in cross country you compete in in track and field i know that you scored at the acc cross country championships i think with the team this past fall for those who don't follow uh, these sports closely don't know what distance are you running in cross country now as we're in the indoor season of track what are you running and what will you be doing in the outdoor season
4: okay so you know in cross country we run the 8k and the 10k so Uh, We go by miles in the U.S., you know, which I I like, you know, so uh, an 8K is actually right under five miles. Uh, It's it's basically five miles, and then a 10K is six and a quarter miles. And and track, I won't go too too far under that distance. My events and track are a 5K and a 10K on the track. So that's about 12 and a half laps or 25 laps on the track.
0: Gotcha, and this is your your last season of competition, right? Because you've graduated. This is your fifth and final, or your your final year.
4: Yeah. So, uh, um, Coach Brayman was able to find me a year, and uh, that's really uh, what I had left. You know, I um, I left my undergraduate career with you know a whole year of eligibility left, and um, you know, kind of let it sit. But you know, looking at the bylaws, and you know, when I was able, finally able to complete my master's. You know, we looked into it and we got the last year and and now I'm just finishing
0: my last track season. Let me reset again for folks just tuning in. We're talking with Stanley Linton who's from Crawfordville and he competes on the FSU cross country and track and field teams, but he's a graduate of FSU and he's in the Navy, so uh because you went through the ROTC program. So did you think when you were graduating what's your what's your degree in and when you graduated, did you think your athletic career was done at that
2: point?
4: You know, I really did. And uh, I you know, I finished my degree and uh, I got a bachelor's in mathematics, and you know th- that was the only thing I was good at. But you know, uh, I graduated and I commissioned into the United States Navy and uh, headed off to Pensacola. And I-, I thought that was it. I thought I was done, and I was going to pack my bags. But Coach didn't think so. And you know, Coach Brayman always kind of, you know, when I would talk to him, he said, you know, we really uh, would uh, benefit if we can get you back for another year. And he kept on saying these things, and I said, "Oh, you know, I don't know why he's saying these things because I don't think it's going to be possible." And um, sure enough, you know, a year later, you know, this past May, actually, I, uh, you know, that that's when I got the the green light to get my master's, and so I contacted them. and I said, "Hey, it actually is a possibility." So I didn't think at first, and that year kind of lingered on. And but what was important was during that year of kind of uncertainty. I kind of had that feeling of regret, you know, that feeling that I had that whole year of eligibility left that had been unused. And man, if I had another chance, I I would take advantage of it in a heartbeat and I got my chance. So that's that
0: D- looking back. Uh, and this is sort of technicality maybe, but uh, did you have to com- get commissioned in the Navy right away or could you have delayed that a year and stayed on campus and gotten your master's?
4: Well, you know, at, at first uh, the leadership in ROTC, I had approached them about maybe doing a fifth year, but uh, it's you know it's really hard because you know those ROTC uh, midshipmen and the program, those ROTC students, you know, um, you know, as an instructor, your goal was to you know try to commission these guys and get them out the door, and um, and I, I think that was where the um, that was where kind of some of the conflict was because I had gone and I you know I'd asked my leadership about doing a fifth year and maybe staying on and doing and having an exception to the policy. And, um, uh, but you know, they, they really assured me that, you know, I was in this program not to, you know, run. I was in this program to get a commission and, um, go into the United States Navy. And, you know, if I was eligible to graduate in four years, they were going to get me through in four years and that's what they did. So, um, yeah, no, I, uh, I push for it, but you know, uh looking back on it actually probably worked
0: out for the best we're talking with stanley linton who's on the fsu track and field squad but let's let's go through an average day now okay because so you're 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 stationed uh, in iowa which means that Correct. you train on your own and for the meets that you're going to compete in you're flying in or uh, not necessarily into tallahassee but wherever the fsu track and field team is you're meeting them uh but in the meantime you're training on your own you're in the navy and you're doing, uh, I guess, online or distance learning related to your master's. Just walk us through an average day.
4: Right. So, uh, so an average day is, you know, wake up, and if I got, you know, two runs that day, I'll go ahead and knock out my first run right around, you know, somewhere around 5.45, 6 a.m., and then shower, head to work at, and you got to be at work around, you know, 8 o'clock, and then work from 8 to about 4, 4.30 and then right at four thirty, I'll head back home, get ready for the next run, knock that out, and uh, in between all that, I got to do all the online courses uh, that I'm you know enrolled in at FSU through the online program. And uh, yeah, I mean that's that's how the usual Monday through Friday goes, and uh, Saturday, Sunday, all all my you know focus is running and schoolwork, and that's a good time for me to. Uh, see what the next week looks like.
0: And I know, obviously, indoor season is right now, and outdoor season ultimately goes through May and into June on the track and field side, so that's when you will be done with that. How are you tracking in terms of your progress on your Masters?
4: Well, I completed the last semester, the first semester this past fall, and that actually went pretty well. And I'm taking a little bit more courses, I'm taking the the full credit amount, which is 12 hours to be considered a full-time student, and uh, it actually was surprisingly not that bad and got through it. And now I'm taking four courses uh, this semester and moving right along. And uh, I'm really enjoying my program.
0: What What is your master's in?
4: So the official name is Learning and Cognition. But for those who want to know, it's, it's, uh, it's really educational psychology. You know, so uh, I plan to be a teacher after my time in the military is up and hopefully become a teacher and a coach. But I thought that was a very interesting uh, field of study, and I, I thought it would really benefit me when I leave the service and go into teaching.
0: Stanley Linton, our guest. So you're stationed in Iowa, which uh, that raised some eyebrows for me, too, as you're in the Navy and stationed in Iowa. What is, your, what is your role in the Navy?
4: So right now, I'm a human resources officer, and I'm working for U.S. MEPCOM. So the abbreviation, that's the U.S. Military Entrance Processing Command. So... Long story short is uh, when someone wants to enlist into the military, they got to go to a Meps, and you probably heard that term thrown around uh, for people who have enlisted. Is uh, they go to a Meps and they get a medical examination, they get an interview from one of the human resources assistants, and basically what we do at the Meps is qualify people for or make sure people are qualified for military service. And then if they come through our door and go through all the processes and make it to the end of the day they'll leave the door, uh, part of the United States military. And so my job here at the MAPS is I'm an operations officer, so uh, I kind of take care of the folks that work here. Um, I actually administer the enlistment ceremonies at the end of the day or throughout the day and, you know, ask people, raise your right hand, repeat after me, and uh, I do the paperwork, and I make sure that uh, they're good to go and everything's good with their contract before they head out and then, if they're shipping, you know, we make sure all their uh, documents are ready for them to go to boot camp, and uh, this is where you know they'll show up first before they go to boot camp.
0: It's fast. Your story is fascinating. Thank you for your service. Uh, by the way, I should have started with that.
4: Uh, and, well, well and, go ahead. Right, and uh, you know, and, and and people want to say, you know, and I think this is the biggest thing is. Um. People want to thank me for my service, and and I think that's you know I appreciate that. But I would like to say you know that uh, I'm not pulling any triggers here in Des Moines. So uh, definitely consider those folks abroad that are putting themselves on the line. And uh, but uh, I, I appreciate that. But you know everyone ought to you know thank a veteran or thank a you know service member for their service. That's you know actually going on the appointments and stuff. And but uh, thank you.
0: Yeah, that, that's well said, and I, I appreciate that. Let, let's finish up with this. Going back to the uh, competition side, uh, first of all, are you aware of any other student athlete anywhere right now that's in a similar situation to you at any school or historically? Not, not counting, I guess, uh, you know, the academies.
4: No, I think I invented it. Um, you know, I, it's you know, you see a lot of people come back from military service and then compete. Yeah, some people who will compete and then go to military service, but never really at the same time. Um, this is kind of a unique case, and I honestly, unless someone raises their hand and uh, contacts me about it, I, I really do think that uh, I'm the first one or the only one who's done it. So... Um, bounce
0: all three at the same time. Yeah, well well congratulations. I mean it's it's quite the hat trick. Yeah, I'm thinking. I mean uh BYU student athletes uh you know, they'll go and serve their mission and then come back and compete. It's, it's just very very unique. The the last thing is you mentioned that, you know, while you were walking on or trying to get to the the standard, uh, you know, that can be pretty i uh, running in general, can be pretty isolated, but certainly when you're training on your own. Uh, you went through that, but but now you're again training on your own. You're, you're getting your master's in psychology. I'm just wondering what the dynamic is of, you know, Monday through Friday or Sunday through Thursday, you really are uh, on an island, so to speak, and then every two weeks or however often you compete, you show up on a Friday and say hello to your teammates again and get the team uh, atmosphere. Can you just explain what that dynamic is like?
4: Well, I think it's uh, – I think – it can seem hard from the outside, but really when you get into it, uh, I think the teammates make it, uh, my teammates make it, uh, make the experience a good one. So uh, for example, you know, you mentioned I, I do travel out to the meets and then I'm there with them. It's not like I'm a stranger. You know, I, they haven't seen me in a while, but most of those guys um, are, are my some of the best friends I've had. And I think that really helps in terms of, uh, the team aspect of you know I show up to the meets and that's not like who's who's he you know we don't know anything about him they actually do know a ton about me and um, but you're right you know I mean training on my own sometimes I, I think uh, the biggest thing is I enjoy the process you know I you know if it was um, you know if I didn't like the process and you know I said oh I've got to go run right now and oh man I just don't want to do this right now. You know, or, um, you know, if I was just totally reliant on someone else to run, then it might be a different story. But no, I mean, when I was at Wacolla High School, towards the end of my high school days, you know, I was running, I was training by myself because, you know, I it's I was an anomaly at in Wacolla. You know, usually Wacolla is known for you know football, not running, and so for me to go to the state championship was, you know, like. Uh, a huge deal you know it might be regular business for someone else but for me you know that senior year I really had separated and learned what it looked what it uh felt like to you know really train alone and be my myself and be kind of unique in a sense I went to the state championship just by my uh with with the girls team but uh I was the only guy to go and that I kind of fell alone there but then throughout freshman and sophomore year of college Uh, That was very testing, and knowing that I could overcome that adversity uh, gave me a huge confidence to know that, hey, after I graduate from FSU and after I leave the team aspect and if I want to continue uh, running professionally, I'm going to be able to do it because I've done it before. So, But that's that.
0: Well, you've just made me feel like I'm pretty lazy on a daily uh, basis, so uh, I, I appreciate you sharing a few minutes of what is a very valuable time with us and sharing your story. So uh, good luck to you. We'll be pulling for you, and uh, congratulations on the success so far and continued success to you. I
4: appreciate it, Tom, and I uh, just want to say go Noles.
0: There you go. From, uh, from Iowa, Stanley Linton, originally from Crawfordville, and as unique a story as I can remember, as we were doing that interview, I'm racking my brain, and I – I'm sure I left out many pretty unique circumstances uh, uh, or different uh, than the norm circumstances, which maybe that's the definition of a unique. Carson Pickett played on the soccer team a few years ago. Carson was, uh, was born missing one half of her of her uh i don't know if it's her left arm or her right arm you know so there's there's stories like that but to to have somebody that's currently competing for fsu working on their masters living in iowa and then flying in to compete with the team that's that's something that that, that's very very unique all right we'll step aside come back i'll get uh, keith jones back on the line and we will continue with front row Knowles.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us next segment. Keith Jones is on the road. If you caught the first segment, you know that. He's in Winston-Salem. The Knowles play shortly. Uh, he and Gene will have the call for you coming up from uh, the land of the Demon Deacons. Keith, uh, you'll have to go back and listen to that interview with Stanley Linton because, uh, as I mentioned on the way out, finishing with him, to listen to his uh, daily schedule makes me realize just how lazy me and you are.
1: <laughs> Not only that, I would imagine given that military background, it's not in quarter hours. It's probably a schedule by the minute.
0: Yeah, and it includes two runs a day. So that's yet another difference between Stanley and uh, us.
1: Oh, that lets me out completely. Never mind.
0: (laughs) All right, we talked about men's basketball and and, and signing day is coming up. Uh, Women's basketball, we'll we'll get into with Tim a little bit. Uh, I was really excited about the crowd and really disappointed for Sue and her squad that uh, they didn't get a better effort on uh, Sunday against Notre Dame.
1: Well, you know, it's part of the learning process. Uh, you know, the, the ladies had talked about the uh, time prior uh, playing in front of 14,000 and how excited they had gotten, and you you come back home and have the opportunity to play in front of 9,000, 9,400, uh, whatever that number ended up being. Uh, there's a natural tendency, and I don't know if Coach Sue would admit to it, uh, but I think there's a natural tendency that maybe the ladies got a little overhyped or a little too excited and uh, sometimes that can happen and i know they're they're sorely disappointed uh in that the, not not that they lost but that they didn't play well and, and i know they were uh disappointed in that regard and i think uh maybe just maybe it'll be a good motivating factor for the ladies moving forward
0: they play tomorrow night on the road at nc state i want to bounce back to football quickly and then we'll get tim on uh it's january 31st keith and uh Season ticket renewals are underway for uh, Florida State football, and in fact, uh, if you wait until February 1, the, the price goes up a little bit. I'm, did you see the article Jim Henry wrote in The Democrat? I did not see that, no. B- Bottom line, the uh, renewal rate is, is is higher than it's ever been. Now, part of that is they changed uh, the renewal process a little bit, but part of that is the excitement just for this new era. So does that, you know, we already talked about Willie and his staff and the job they're doing on the recruiting show. Uh, does that surprise you at all to know that right
4: now?
1: Well, I guess I guess if you're a longtime Florida State faithful person, you would like to think that your season tickets and everything are going to remain constant and maybe with a steady growth. But the reality is, you know, the last couple of years, uh, particularly when you go seven and six, and, and the last couple of years when Florida State has dropped some home games, uh, and you know, prior to that, you know, a time when uh, you know FSU's winning percentage at home was off the charts there's a little bit of a, of a downside and a little bit of a mentality that says, why do I want to do this? But I think with Coach Taggart coming in, the new staff, I think also, uh, you know, opening up with Virginia Tech on Labor Day night, you know, at home, uh, having, uh, you know, Clemson come, having Florida as a home game. I mean, you know, every other year we talk about the fact that the home schedule is strong and and then every other year it's a little bit less. This is the strong year. Plus you add Virginia Tech and, and a new staff, and I think it's only reasonable that uh, Seminole Nation would be excited.
0: Yeah, no, the home schedule is definitely a factor, and then uh, sort of the renewed optimism in this new era, moving Virginia Tech to Monday night helped uh, probably the ACC releasing the schedule two-and-a-half, three weeks earlier than what – you know, there's a lot of years where they didn't release until – signing day or even later. So, sure, sure. You know, they,
1: no, I think you're exactly right. They, I think that's a positive move uh, by the by the conference as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, so just a, a lot of things uh point in the upward direction d- direction and it'll be interesting and and for ticket information obviously uh check in with Seminole Boosters and and they can help you there. But Seminole Boosters next week has the signing day event with Willie Taggart, which I know has been sold out and uh, I'm fortunate enough to be involved in that, but I know uh there's as much interest in that one because of hearing Coach Taggart and meeting his staff, uh, and then the side benefit is hearing about the recruits that they're going to sign. There's re- everybody I run into is excited about that event next week.
1: Very much so. Uh, you know, I, I'm the the one you get mad at for bringing it up. I wish we could find another way to do it because that same night, as everyone's aware, Florida State basketball will taking uh, taking on Virginia, the number two, at least at this point, number two ranked team in the country. But uh, there, you know, Florida State's a big university. There's a lot of stuff going on in the athletic department, and I guess. Reality is sometimes things overlap.
0: Well, I will say this, and I jumped on you last week about that. I, I I do think you're right. I mean, Virginia, uh, with the season they're having, uh, you know, when you're splitting Florida State loyalties between football and men's basketball, that doesn't help grow basketball as a sport or or doesn't grow the basketball culture here. So maybe we'll get that looked at. It does feel like a lot of times on signing day there's also a home basketball game. I, I think in this particular year, Keith You know, And and maybe in years past, people like that signing day event because they like to hear the assistant coaches talk about the the prospects and the signees. It's not so much the immediacy of that it's on signing day. I guess what I'm suggesting is, to me, you could do that a day later or even a week later, and it would still generate a buzz because you're getting the the behind-the-scenes talk from the coaches.
1: Right, and you're getting an opportunity to hear from the coaches, which under Jimbo Fisher, you only got to do that about twice, maybe sometimes three times a year. Uh, and just, you know, having an opportunity to put a voice and, and a personality with a face that you see on the sidelines but you don't hear from during the season uh, also is something that, uh, you know, is very attractive to our fans.
0: Well, when when you or I are king, then we'll uh, reassess things, right? Is that how that works? That's
1: how that works, and I'll be king first. Always remember that.
0: Well, but speaking of kings, our com insider is truly the king, and Tim Linnefeld will join us next on Front Row Knowles.
2: I was yeah, run down the drain. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, we got the party line dialed up now, and uh, we head there, the Earl Bacon Agency party line uh, as it is today the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together our Seminoles.com insider Tim Lenefeld is on the horn from parts unknown as uh, Keith Jones returns to the program from Winston-Salem uh Tim how are you I'm doing great Tom how are you good wow you sound like you're next door Keith sounds like he's in that luxurious (laughs) suite in Winston-Salem Tim I, I made a few notes here because I noticed that we are at the busy time uh which you know college athletics stays pretty busy but as I was thinking about it we've got Big basketball game tonight. The women have a game tomorrow night. Baseball and softball seasons are underway. Their leadoff dinners are coming up. The uh, tennis network or tennis channel announced that uh, Florida State's going to be featured, I think, in what's maybe the first ever live college match there or something. It's a big deal for Dwayne Holtquist and company. And signing days a week from now. And the Super Bowl is on Sunday. And today's the deadline to renew your season tickets uh, before the price goes up. Did I cover everything?
4: So not much, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty slow time. No, but where I, I want to yes. where I want to begin, though Tim, is that uh, you you wrote a comprehensive piece on on how the cheerleaders and Golden Girls finished up <laughs> at nationals. So that's all part of the hard work that you have to do in your role as our Seminoles.com dot com insider.
3: Yeah, no. That's uh, you know we, we try to be all encompassing as much as we can. Obviously, we focus on uh, on football and, and then the basketballs. But uh, you know when stuff like that comes up and when and when those guys have uh, have something to celebrate, we try to celebrate it with them.
0: Well, and the Golden Girls finished third nationally, so congratulations there. And I know uh, some of the cheerleading squads did very well uh, also. Where do you want to start on that gamut of all those things that I uh, hammered out? And Keith, uh, I'll shut up for the next question after Tim responds, and you can jump in then.
3: Well, it's a pretty important men's basketball game tonight. There's a, I guess they're all important from here on out, there, right? I would say so. What do
0: you think? I mean, Florida State's riding high; they won three in a row. But it's a road game in the ACC. Regardless of opponent, that's not a sure thing.
3: No, no, and, and you know, Wade's kind of a weird team in that their their record obviously isn't very good. They're one and eight, and uh, and you know, they, they've had some tough times and have had some really tough times as of late. But when you look at you know the roster and look at some of the talent on it, that's the team that probably should be better than they are. Uh, you know, they they they're uh, their one center, seven foot one. Uh, he, he's shooting over seventy percent from the field. Um, and I think Leonard Hamilton said he leads the nation in dunks. I don't know where you verify that, but he's got all the, the crazy stats. So uh, you know, that could be an interesting matchup to see. Uh, it's you know it's not too often that uh, the Chris Kamaji and, and Ike Obiagu get to, to face somebody uh, like that. So I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out. And I think Florida State should win the game. But you know, uh, talking to Brian Angola yesterday, I, I, uh, I you know, mentioned the idea of this kind of being a different type of challenge. Me and you know, it's not a rivalry, it's not a, a ranked opponent, or anything like that. And he brought up last year's Georgia Tech game. You know, where, where Florida State was number six in the country, went on the road to Georgia Tech and got thumped. So, so, you know, they don't want to make that mistake again. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how, you know, we, we've, we've heard the, the theme of, of handling success, uh, and, you know, to see how, how this team handles the success.
1: Tim, this team has uh, shot the ball very well, particularly in the last three games. Any concerns as you get ready for ACC tournament and maybe postseason that the, the defense is waning and needs a little attention?
3: Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm concerned, but Leonard Hamilton definitely is. Uh, he brought that up yesterday uh, during his, uh, his, his media session before they had the team left for Winston-Salem and said that, you know, I'm, he's happy with the, the offense, and the offense has been good enough. But if they're going to be successful uh, in, in March, uh, which is where they plan on being, they're going to have to, to play better defense. And, and yeah, I do, I do think that is a concern. And, you know, to some degree, you, you look back at that Miami game and, and some of the, the those plays were situations where Florida State defended well Miami just made some, I mean, some ridiculous shots made in that game. There's two or three off the top of my head that I don't know that you could defend any better or would, would ever really expect you know, one of the shots to go in, and, and they did. So uh, I do think that is a point of emphasis, for sure. Uh, he, he said flat out that he's not very happy with, uh, with where the defense stands. And, and tonight I think will be a pretty good uh, place to start uh, in terms of maybe getting back to some of those defensive principles because uh, you know if, if we consider tonight to be a potential reprieve, uh, it, it won't last long. You, know, you go to Louisville and home against Virginia, uh at notre dame who i know has, has been struggling lately but they can you know they can play well and then clemson who's ranked so uh now's the time to kind of work out king.
0: i would say so tim are we going to have uh and keith apologies i know that you'll be on the radio uh calling the game but trying to view it are we going to have a challenge do we know where we find this game locally on the tube tonight
3: yeah if you uh if you have uh if you have comcast or xfinity it's uh, channel 210 i believe is what it is on uh, on boost not bounce i thought it was uh was, was balanced but it's boost and then if you if you have an antenna it's, it's, a, it's a wtxl affiliate right so it's a it's channel 27.2 it's WC, wtxl2 i think is what it's like, exactly called so it might take a little bit of navigating but i think most people should have it
0: back when i worked at channel 27 we barely had wtxl1 tim just for the record <laughs> uh, right. uh our com insider tim linefeld joins us. all right let's let's move to other topics uh you know baseball there, there's been a lot of years when the basketball team is not doing well that as soon as they throw out the uh, first ball or uh, get in the cage for batting practice on the first day of practice all we do is talk about baseball but last year and this year basketball has sort of taken over some of the headlines because of the success leonard's team has had uh so baseball hasn't moved front and center yet that said the expectations and the enthusiasm and the optimism for this year's team based on what fsu returns is really really high
3: no, yeah, they really, really are. And, and you kind of got the sense of that. I was out the first day of practice last week. And, and yeah, you can tell guys are really, really confident. Uh, I think they all can kind of point to you know, what was a sort of a top turvy year last year with, uh, between all the ups and downs and then finishing on the high of going to Omaha. You know, I think they, they view that now as a positive experience. Uh, and mm-hmm. when you think about everything that they have returning in an, an entire weekend rotation, uh, a reliable uh, midweek guy in and Andrew Carp um, or Andrew Parrish, however, they decide to, to shake that out. And then uh, – uh, you know i think the most the most praised player i think i heard on, on friday was cole sands uh you know it sounds like they expected him to maintain his spot in the weekend rotation and Mike martin said that, that we didn't have enough time to talk about uh, all the improvements that he's made in the offseason so to me that's a really good thing uh you get drew mendoza back for another year get cal raleigh back for another year um you know it hasn't of a pretty good team talk about we talk about the weekend rotation we talk about the pitching this is a ball club that can score some runs though no i exactly right and uh and that's a, you know, I think a, a pretty interesting thing is, you know, talking to Drew Mendoza. About, you think about, you know, who he was by the end of last year—a player who looked uh, you know, more than ready to to live up to the hype that, that he had faced coming in—and uh, then, you know, prior to his freshman year, he, he gets hurt and, and he's he sort of sidelined and derailed, and it just sort of, you know, sucks the air out of everything. And eventually, he, he found that form and, and, and became that type of player that that uh, that I think, folks were hoping he could be. Well, now he's fully healthy. He's had a full off season. Has been able to to you know to build his rhythm, keep things going, and uh, and, and yeah, so I think he's really excited about that to to have a full year uh, at this level and and not be rehabbing an injury. And, and you can just kind of you can kind of look at him, you know, like he's he's, he's a, you know a year older, another year in, in the weight program, and all that kind of stuff. He you know he looks more and more uh, to me like a like a major league type baseball player. You know, every time you see him, and the same goes for Tyler Holton, who somehow we haven't mentioned yet. I know you mentioned talking about the hitting, but it sounds like he is going to be you know, doing a little bit more hitting this year. You know, last year they went into focus. I'm um, being mostly a pitcher or this guy. I think they're going to let him, you know, he's going to pitch. And then when he's not pitching, you know, they, there's the options for you know, either to play in the first base or to DH. I mean, and both those guys uh, just, I mean, they, they look like the type of players that you were used to seeing, um, you know, when Florida State was making a run to Omaha every year or every other year. And so, you know, uh, I mean, the biggest question,
1: the biggest question, though, is Mendoza's hair. Is he going to wear <laughs> it long? Or is he going to wear it short?
3: I think he's gonna. I think it's gonna wear it long, and, and you know, uh, I think uh, Cal Raleigh's followed suit. I didn't actually recognize Cal at first uh, on Friday. He's he's got a, a pretty nice mane going down his neck too. So yeah, it's a uh, hair is in over at the uh, the, the Florida State Baseball Complex.
0: Back to on the field, uh, not to take away from the uh, deep hard hitting probing questions that KJ's uh, exploring right now. Um, Tongue in cheek, Keith, I miss you. Uh, Drew move has moved over to third. Now that might have uh, you know last year I, I think he was probably headed to third base there was he and Busby we didn't know but then he got hurt they stuck him at first so this plays into you you casually mentioned that Holton could maybe play first when he's not pitching but Mendoza is now at the other corner of the infield
3: no exactly right which I think is where he, he's more comfortable uh and like, like you said once they kind of got into their routine and, and Busby was more comfortable uh over there having played it more it, it made sense to keep it the way it was but yeah I think that's his preferred position and, and you know they they really like him there I mean they liked him there before I think that was originally the plan and then you know they had to change things up when he got hurt uh, but yeah, that's a, a you know a, I think a good thing wherever he feels like he wants to be uh, and and can be most effective. I think that's kind of where you want to put him.
0: Tim, we'll finish up on this. In one corner we have the goat, and unless you're a Patriots fan, we're tired of hearing about the goat. In the other corner we have a very unlikable Philadelphia Eagles team that has four former Seminoles on it. So are we? And of course you're a Steelers guy, so this one might hurt for you. But which way are you leaning here on Sunday?
3: Which, what do I want to happen, or what do I think will happen?
0: Both. Go ahead and uh, head I, your bets. Yeah, go ahead.
3: I, I don't want anything to happen. I'd prefer just the game to just to not happen. Um, you know, it would be really cool to see those Florida State guys uh, win a Super Bowl, uh, especially Nigel Bradham, who's from around here. I remember covering him in high school uh, when he played down at Wakulla, and he was, you know, it's, it's funny watching high school football, especially, at, you know, at the small-town level. Uh, where We have an athlete uh, like Nigel Bradham. You just kind of put him everywhere. You know, he returned kicks for them. He played running back. You know, he did whatever – uh, you know, that you wanted to do because odds are there wasn't anybody on the other team that wanted to get in his way. So it would be cool to see them win. Uh, so from that perspective, you know, I'd love to see, uh, you know, him and Patrick Robinson and Timmy Jernigan and Darby. Those guys, to get rings would be a really neat thing. Uh, from a football fan perspective, uh, unrelated to Florida State, man, I don't know. Like as a Steelers fan, it's kind of hard. I almost would just assume New England win one more, or, you know, to win this one. Because, like, yeah, if they win one more, does anybody really care? Like nobody's going to, you know, it's just going to be another one in their, their pantheon. Uh, so, you know, this won't be remembered any more than the other I don't think uh, but uh, but if Philadelphia were to win like you said it's kind of uh, you know the the, the 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 losing in big spots and being particularly surly about it I, you know it's probably a diplomatic way of saying that that's kind of part of their identity I don't know if that were to change it might you know set the earth off its axis or something. <laughs> Tom am I worthy of an, op- of an opinion?
0: You are but we're going to save yours till our final segment as we wrap up we're gonna let Tim go right now.
3: Uh, I want to
1: hear
0: it. Oh you want to hear it go ahead then Keith fire yeah. away.
1: I want New England to get up 28-3 with about two minutes left in the third quarter and Philly come all the way back and win the ball game
3: and let them feel what that's like. That's my tribute to Corey Clark. If if, if Nick Foles comes back from 28-3 down in the Super Bowl, I think he's just automatically in the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs>
0: Tim, thank you as always. Keith, hang on the line, we'll finish things up And I'll tell you about the one time in my life I was rooting for Tom Brady In our last segment of uh, Front Row Knowles Which is brought your way uh, in part because of the fine folks At uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener Shout out to Ron, you can find him online at ctf.nu Okay, the one time I was a Tom Brady fan Right after this
2: We don't need no thought control Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Keith, as we finish up, our fine producer Matthew uh, made his case in the break. He said he'd argue that this Eagles team is, is likable. It's the fans at the issue. That's, that's a fair statement. I'll, I'll, well, I would agree with that. I I'll, would agree with that. I'll give him that. It's also uh, an unfair statement for me to say that I've never rooted for Tom Brady. I, like most, am tired of the, uh, the Patriots winning, but I do appreciate and respect uh, what he's been able to do. That said, if you think back, and it's hard to believe this, Keith, but remember way back when, before the Patriots had won under Belichick and Brady, they were the underdog. You remember they were facing Kurt Warner, uh, big deal. The Patriots were not expected to do anything, all right? am I? Are you with me? You remember this? I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, so I was in Vegas with friends at the time, and we had a grand time watching this, and I actually bet the Patriots straight up that day at Mandalay Bay, and I took the prop bet of will there be overtime. So that game ends with Vinatieri lining up to kick a field goal, and I'm thinking, unless this is blocked – and goes the other way. I've got to... I'm either winning with the Patriots... So, of course, I was getting greedy. I was like, well, maybe we can go to overtime and the Patriots can win. Bottom line, he made the field goal, so the overtime bet did not come into play. But... It was the Patriots in the money line. Now you're talking about me, so it wasn't like there was hundreds of dollars on this, you know. It was probably fifty bucks, but I still won like four hundred or five hundred or whatever it was. I don't remember the number. So it was a good time. And I'll that, remember
1: that. I'll that, remember that the next time you and I are at dinner because you're gonna be picking up a check.
0: Well, this that was like in the early two thousands. That money has long since been spent. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Pro- matter. Probably doesn't picking matter. up a check when you and I've been out, as a matter of fact. But that was one time in my life where I clearly was rooting for Tom Brady. By the
1: way, guess who's got an anniversary coming up?
0: Um you scared me for a second mine is in march so i'm good there uh i don't know what do we got
1: one of our original fine sponsors prime Meridian bank 10 years old next week uh sammy dixon and chris and of course my wife kathy's retired from there but uh bank 10 years young here in tallahassee how about that i
0: i would not have guessed that but then again uh if something happened uh you know, five years ago, I would guess that it was two years ago. And uh, I'm, j- I'm just getting old like you, Keith. It's all running That's because either.
1: you're an older person with younger children, but we've
3: had that discussion.
0: We have. Uh, stay safe. Get a win tonight in Winston-Salem, all right? We'll do our best. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week here on Front Row Knowles.
2: When to descend to a men for a pen the